Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back my really good friend, Blaine Elkers. Hi, Blaine. Hey, Big Mike. I'm happy to be a, a four-timer here on the Big Mike Show. So you are doing a great job. You are helping people uh, in a lot of ways, in the financial sector, but but also, I think, personally. And uh, I've been coming on talking about Think and Grow Rich and 21-second habits and 30-minute hours. And we were talking the other day about decisions. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm happy that you made a good decision to bring me back to talk about great decisions. Yeah, that's that's absolutely awesome. Love that. Because you are a chief results officer. This is your strength. You help people get results. And to get to the results, you got to make decisions. So let's talk about decisions. A hundred percent. First question so, is how do how does somebody make great decisions? So so just a little bit of a backdrop on this decisions is where I studied uh, decisions and got deep into decisions was I was reading that book Think and Grow Rich, which we have talked about. You can go back to that episode to hear about that. But Napoleon Hill wrote this book, and he's got a whole chapter on decisions, but. He studied a lot of people uh, in his time, maybe back about 100 years now or so. And he said he personally studied hundreds uh, um, of top leaders who had accumulated fortunes well beyond the million dollar mark. And this is back, like I said, 100 years ago and disclosed the fact that every one of them had the habit of reaching decisions promptly and of changing these decisions slowly if and when they were changed he went on to say people who fail to accumulate money, finances, riches, without exception, have the habit of reaching decisions, if at all, very slowly, and changing these decisions quickly and often. Uh, and, and Napoleon Hill, he also hated it when people used a coin toss to make a decision. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I just wanted that as the backdrop, that this this. This power, this skill, this superpower that you can have to make great decisions is one well worth having. Well worth having. Yeah, I appreciate that. that that's an interesting observation that successful people make great decisions and they stick with them and they don't deviate unless some really drastic changes happen. And the folks that are not able to succeed don't make decisions or very slow to make decisions. And that, that's an interesting point, sometimes great decisions take time uh, to make it, 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 because they take a lot of thinking and a lot of pros and cons and a lot of options. So again, let's go back to the basics. How does someone make a great, great decision? And right. decision could be about taking action. Decision could be a choice, which which option to choose. So decision could be about when do, to do something. So how, how does someone go to the decision tree? <laughs> Right. Well, to, to, and make to make a decision. A, yeah. Yeah. To make a good decision and, and decision, I like to say decision is the key bridge to action. And that that's why that's why decision, great decision making does favor the prompt, does favor the prompt. And there's probably um, there's more than 10 different things to consider when you make a decision. But the core four of decision making is like you just said, was prompt. Uh, like Napoleon Hill was saying, prompt and decisive. 
Meaning that that once you have enough of the facts, now you're right, you've got to gather the facts, uh, you, you know, and, and there may be some things that you have to take into consideration when you're doing it, but you don't want to procrastinate. You want it to be prompt and you want your decision to be decisive. Meaning once you decide, you, you go with that decision and you begin to move in that direction. Now, sometimes you're building a road south when you're headed north. But but when you start moving, it's it's in the in, it's in the uh, acceptance of the decision and the movement of the action that tells you if you're going in the right direction or not. Right? You can't you can't steer a parked car. You got to be moving. So 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 it starts with kind of promptness and decisiveness. And the other two of the core four are facts and feelings. Right. So so great decisions are based on facts. That's the kind of the known facts, uh, you know, the, the things you know about uh, about that situation. And you can't know everything and you can't do the paralysis, uh, you know, analysis type of thing. But but the facts that are known, um, but then they also need to be based on your feelings. And this is where and, and we'll maybe we'll talk about decision frequency. Uh, you, you know, and, and even decision fatigue. Um, but this is where the more decisions you make, the better you get at making decisions. Um, so, so it's it's kind of almost like a muscle. And and some people like um, when they study the decision making skills of ER doctors or uh, even more so ambulance, you know, EMTs, the people that are on the ambulance, they're making life or death death decisions, you know, in an instant to save people's lives. Um, those people have a very high, uh, you know, decision frequency. They're making decisions, uh, you know, and many, many of these decisions, uh, you know, quickly, promptly, and they're learning from them, right? And your, your gut gets better. Like the person, like, let's say there's someone that makes a decision in an hour versus someone that takes a day. Well, the person that makes a decision in the hour, you know, um, they, they could end up with 12 to 16 decisions a day. The person who makes a decision and takes a day, they, they've got one a day. That other person just trained their gut, right? Their feelings, even, and, and even maybe the logical part of their mind as well. Uh, they, they've, they've gotten better because of that frequency, right? So, so we're looking for prompt, decisive, right? Then based on facts, but then also based on feelings, so that's the core four. Other things when you're looking at, is this going to be a great decision? It needs to be owned, right? So, so you have to own that decision, right? You don't want to make other people's decisions, but you don't want other people making your decisions, you know, either, right? So you want them to be owned. You want them to be clear, not nebulous, right? You want them to be complete. Um, you do want them to kind of be ethical, uh, you know, and uh, and legal, right? People can make decisions that that wander off of that path. You want them to be aligned with who you are as well, or you're going to be in trouble uh, long-term. And then sometimes you do want them to be partnered, meaning you have a mastermind, you have a collection of people that you can go to, you know, um, to, to help you make that decision. But in the end, it's owned by you and 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 it's your decision. So you're, you know, we're we're not looking for disciples, we're looking for students. So, so you know, take the input from people, but then in the end, you need to make it. But it is really based on being prompt, decisive, and then using the relevant facts and then go with, with the feelings. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes great great sense. We we live in in the age of a, of a lot of information, often informational over overflow. And, and quite often, uh, we have to make decisions and make decisions quickly, even to the point where is this email irrelevant or not, or this is this is uh, noise or this is relevant information. So decision-making power 
uh, and skills is even more important now than ever before because the pace of information and pace mm -hmm. of uh, life is accelerated in a manner of speaking. So it's been it's been an important um, it's, it's an important skill. And my next question will be: How do you improve your decision making skills? But before I do that. Um, aren't there decisions that actually need you to take time and slow down and uh, substantially slow down? Uh, there's an expression, measure seven times, cut once. So some decisions, if you're going to make a quick decisions and you didn't think it through enough, you, you didn't measure it seven times. You're going to measure it only three times, and then you make a cut. You, you may make the wrong cut. So uh, are there circumstances when the decision speed, as much as you'd like to be decisive, it's just not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is take the time, take a step back and make a decision slower because the decision is so profound that if you make the wrong decision, the implications could be substantial. Uh, yeah, you you bring up a good point. And, that, and that's why like you kind of use the word prompt decision, not, not like fast or quick, right? Prompt, meaning as fast as you can. But then the order of complexity of the decision, right? If it's a complex decision or one that is of very high importance or value, again, you could, you might need more time, right? And when you're getting into like a complex or a high value decision, like you're talking about, uh, you, you know, like I, I'm thinking about, you know, moving to Dallas or something like that. That's a big decision, right? That takes a little bit more time. And when you get into that, yes, there's other tools that you should use for that, right? So we have our, our friend, Ben Franklin, they kind of credit him a little bit with the old pro-con list, right? So you begin to take things in a complex decision uh, out of your head and again, get it down on paper, pro-con list. Uh, if you have a, a, a much larger kind of complex decision, you can create something called a decision matrix. You know, some, you could um, Google that and you'll, you'll see that's where you have different, your decision isn't just A or B, it might be A, B, C, or D. But based on that, there's maybe five or six or seven variables for each one of those that you kind of put across the top, you make a little little spreadsheet, and then you give weighted averages um, that you determine on those different criteria, and then it just becomes a math problem. And you do the math and you see which, which one of those solutions you know, has the most points, um, you know, but then yes, it may take some time to, to dig into those. But by and large, you know, most people uh, are not prompt enough in their decision making, right? Uh, and, and so, but but like I said, if it's an important decision, yes. But still, don't don't drag it on too long because in many times you're better off making the prompt decision and then learning, right? And maybe the prompt decision, you know, uh, you know, if I'm trying, if I'm going to move to Dallas, maybe the prompt decision on that might be, well, look, why don't we, why don't we go visit for a month? Why don't we get an Airbnb and really look at the area, you know, so I can kind of take a big step in that decision, you know, and move that decision along, uh, you know, uh, but before having to make kind of that, that final decision. But yes, there are some decisions that, that will, you know, take, take more time. And then what's interesting is over time, uh, you know, you, your gut gets so good the the feeling part of your 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 brain so what's interesting if you look at the science we have cells in our brain that make decisions and uh, cell, cells that are very similar to that they just discovered in the last uh, few years are in your gut 
you know, in your intestinal system are some of the same kind of decision type uh, cells. So you, you can feel a good decision. And many times you can feel a bad decision or a wrong decision actually in your gut. Um, uh, but, but anyway, yes. So, so some, some can, some may need a little, little more time. Yeah. I love the, uh, the scientific way to make a decision when you put it on paper or in a spreadsheet and, and, and the data tells you the decision, the math does the work. Um, again, I'm a chess player, and uh, in chess, a lot of decisions are based on computation. I go here, the opponent does this, and then I respond this way, and at the end of the day, it's a tree, it's a logical tree of options. But what's really fascinating is, even in chess, a really good chess players make intuitive decisions. It's the same concept as your brain has been trained to the point where you can't compute everything, too many moves. You can't right. compute all the possibilities, too many variables, but you can make a good intuitive decision as you train yourself um, for that process. So I, I love that that concept and that addresses uh, one of the big questions, how to make complex decisions. And I think you answered it is you got to put together an Excel spreadsheet, in a matter of speaking, or maybe another system or even better. Yeah, pro-con list. Yes. Yeah. You got to get it out of your head, like you were saying. You got to get it out of your head and get it on paper. Yeah, that's a pretty powerful tool. Complex decisions require um, data. They require data and they require uh, information organized in a manner that you could actually read it and the data will tell you the story. So that, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Well, and, and so, the thing you said about chess and, and training your intuition that's what Napoleon Hill would have you rather do than flip the coin. Like if you're not sure, should I do a option A or option B? He would say, close your eyes and let your gut, let your gut tell you, right? And, and, and if you flip the coin, you just miss the opportunity to train your gut, to, to get your gut to be stronger. Uh, you know, and even if you're wrong, that's, that's great. That's great. That's how we learn, right? We learn more by losing typically than we do by winning. And, and we remember the pain of the wrong decision. Then we would kind of celebrate the, 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 the pleasure of a right decision. So get in there and, and, and fail. Success is built on failed decisions. Success is built on failed decisions. So don't be afraid to, uh, to get in there, make a decision and, uh, you know, and kind of get moving. Yeah, that's very powerful. Of course, we learn more from failures than from successes. So that is a key, yeah. including improve our ability to make this future decisions. By indecision, the analysis paralysis, I, I guess, stalls folks. And I know too many people when wind up analysis paralysis can't get anything done. And, and as you said, really, example, if you're considering to move, go there for a month, live there for a month and see how it feels. And uh, yeah. if that experience is not good, you can make a, a decision not to do that. But if you don't um, at least try some of these complex decisions, you, you, basically what that whole exercise does is you don't have enough data and you need more data. And the way you're gonna collect the data is by actually going there and visiting for a month or, or living for some amount of time that might give you enough information to make a yeah. better decision. But let's yeah. go. Let's well, well, and one thing you said there, the one great thing you said there was about indecision. And, and this is what is kind of like crippling to many business owners and, and many people is that worry, worry is just a form of sustained fear because of indecision. Right. And, and so indecision is so dangerous because a lot of times worry is just uh, the, the sustained fear 
of indecision. And that you'll find that if you're worried about anything, whatever it is, your finances, the future, or the economy, whatever, if you will go in and make some decisions about that, okay, if this happens, if X, then Y, you know, and, and you get a plan together for what you're going to do, you're going to watch that that worry just just go go away because it's a form of of indecision. The other interesting thing is like uh, another thing is clutter. Like a lot of people have a cluttered desk or maybe even a cluttered mind, but that's just postponed decisions. Like you didn't decide where this thing needs to go yet, uh, or or you know you, you just you you put off the decision of of where that thing's going to go or what you're going to do, and then things pile up. What am I going to do about this letter or this or that? You're just those are again postponed decisions. So this concept of getting in there and getting good and and moving up your what we call your decision frequency right that's how many decisions you make you know per day that is something that is super helpful and as you increase your decision frequency and decrease what we call decision fatigue which we can talk about both of those um you, you know your your decision making skill goes way way up that's that's very powerful <clears throat> decision fatigue versus decision frequency so just cover a little bit on this. I can't yeah. imagine decision fatigue is that if you've been making too many decisions, at some point you you feel you're tired, it's end of the day, you're not in a position to make a decision. Is, is this better to postpone the decision until next morning? Which, by the way, uh, I love the expression that the morning is wiser than the evening. So if you're trying to make a decision in the evening and you're tired, your brain is not functioning in the optimal. Its ability to make decision is, is not the right time of the day. So making decision in the morning is probably the best time to make decisions. And decision frequency, I assume, um, it's just ability to tackle the problems uh, faster and, and come to a decision in, in less time, assuming all things being equal and all the data being provided. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on, on decision frequency and versus decision fatigue. Yeah, yeah. So decision fatigue is exactly what you said, that science proves that as you make decisions during the day, um, you're, you get a fatigue and you become less good. You lose your ability to make great decisions. So um, for the average person who, who sleeps normal hours, uh, 10 a.m. Is, is about the ideal time to make the decisions. And people, you know, um, uh, you know, a lot of famous entrepreneurs talk about this is when we make the critical decisions. It's going to be from 9 to 11 every day. That's it. We're not making any big decisions after 11 a.m. because they know about decision fatigue and they know that their ability to make the best decisions is in that in that those morning hours now um so the other thing about decision fatigue though is if you can decrease the number of decisions you have to make um by what we call doing pre-decisions if you can do more pre-decisions and decrease uh, you know, the amount of decisions that you have to make, let's say in the morning, then you become better at making decisions, right? So uh, the, the great example of that is, you know, Steve Jobs. Uh, if anyone thinks of, I say, you know, think of Steve Jobs and what do you see if you see him standing in front of you? What is he wearing, right? And everybody says he's wearing a black t-shirt and jeans, right? 
And so one of the things he talks about was decreasing the number of decisions he had to make in the morning. When he gets up, he has a closet full of black t-shirts and jeans, and he doesn't have to decide what he's going to wear. And it sounds a little funny, uh, but you're going to see that uh, Zuckerberg did that for a while as well. Uh, Einstein did it as well. He had a certain suit. You'll see him in all his, his pictures. Um, but this concept, it's, it's, it's very important that if whatever you can wherever you can decrease, especially daily things like meal choices, wardrobe, things like that. If you know what you're going to have for breakfast, uh, you know what you're going to do that first 30 minutes when you wake up, put that on automatic pilot. You're saving your kind of decision capital for later in the day when you really need it. So that's kind of um, the, the idea of decision fatigue. Uh, and and the kind of the Steve Jobs method there of of trying to predecide, right? And how many things can you predecide? Could you predecide things that happen over and over and over, like wardrobe and meals? But could you predecide your entrance and exit strategy on a stock trade, right? Or or an investment, right? You know, uh, I'm gonna get I'm getting in here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna predecide when I get out, kind of take the emotion out of it. Then it's not that that decision you've already made it. You predecided. You predestine it and you don't have to think about it anymore, right? So, so um, you know, that's a real thing, decision fatigue and pre-deciding to get rid of that. Now, decision frequency, that is just pushing yourself to make more decisions, um, you, you know, so that you can get better at them. Right. So like in, in my house, we we had um, certain Saturdays, we would say this is decision day Saturday. And so decision day Saturday for the family would be whoever made the most prompt and decisive decision would win. So if we said, let's go to the movies, the first person, said, let's go see such and such a movie. They decided the, the most promptly they would go or we're choosing a restaurant or we're choosing a game to play. Uh, and, and we would have fun with that. We would also, I, I do a super results day, you know, called decision day, where you use that day to make those decisions that you've been putting off right? Everyone has these decisions they've been putting off and, and that's not serving you. It would be better for you to make the decision, either drop the thing or move forward or, you know, just, just get a decision, get it out of your head, especially if it's floating around up there uh, as an open loop. Um, so, so when I push yourself, you know, to make decisions or to let things go, right? Uh, but, but it's interesting, like um, it was a great story. This guy was talking about, he'd come into his garage and it was pretty cluttered and every night it would bother him until he made the decision and he put it into his uh, uh, schedule, into his calendar, uh, you know, I don't know, it was like four weeks later, that was the day he was going to clean it. Now, once he made that decision, it didn't bother him to come in there anymore because he had decided what he was going to do about it. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, that open loop in his head. So pushing your, your frequency as, as high as you can with decisions is, is also helpful. Very cool. Uh, Pre-decision. Uh, it's almost like pre-programming, you know, yeah. <laughs> Before my real estate career, I had a I had a career in technology, and certainly uh, part of that was looking uh, at classic programming. If you do this and this is the outcome, then the next decision has already been predecided because it's been programmed for the next decision to take place. So depending on what the outcome of the query decisions have been pre-made, so that makes a lot of sense. So you can program your life with predecisions the same way a computer programmer. Can, pro, can write the code to make the decisions uh, in the future, depending on what happens to the data or the, or the results. That's really yeah, powerful. Yeah. And you mentioned this earlier, decision trees, right? 
and decision trees could be if this happens, if if X, then Y, right? And sometimes there's there could be three options, right? But you can build that stuff in and you can actually take, you know, part of your brain and, and give it to your staff, right? You can say, if a customer has a complaint, uh, if you can solve that complaint for $100 or less, then you go solve it. If it's $100 or more, no, then you get with the supervisor, right? You, you pre-decide and you build out these decision trees um, so that then things can run kind of w without you, right? Uh, so, so that's that's a that's a great that's a great uh, add. -on. So it's, it's almost like a standard operating procedure for decision making for whatever that 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 business or or specific uh, exercise. So, makes a lot of sense. Good businesses build standard operating procedures or decision trees to help folks make decision process easier because it is not always trivial. So, anyway, yeah. this is very powerful, Blaine. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, we are running out of time, as always. These these uh, uh, episodes are awesome. They're, they're short and sweet, hopefully to the point. And uh, it was awesome to have you again. So how would folks get a hold of you if they want to uh, learn how to make better decisions or talk to you because you are chief results officer? You help folks <laughs> to get results. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the easiest thing is just go to blainetedx.com. So B-L-A-I-N-E-T-E-D-X.com. You can opt in there to get my TEDx talk that I did. And in, in that talk, I talk about white table, what you think about, you bring about. And I give you kind of a little bit of a mind hack so you can remind your brain about 100 times a day of whatever you want to bring about more of in your life. So, I, so I've got that there. Then we'll be connected. You'll find out when I'm doing my super results days. And, and if I can help you in any way, I, I would love to do it. Thank you, Blaine, very much for sharing, for your wisdom, for coming on the podcast. Always, this was number four. We'll do number five soon enough. All right. Thanks, Big Mike. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.